Last week, we began our series on winning the fight. The flesh versus the spirit, although I prefer to say the spirit, because it's above, versus the flesh. So winning the fight, the spirit versus the flesh. And my sermon title is Practice Makes Imperfect, of course. Well, it's a great series that we have begun and really what we're looking to do over the, these few weeks here at the 2.30 service is uncover the kingdom principles necessary to achieve victory over the flesh. As you attain victory over the flesh, you will remain aligned with one voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. So my text is taken from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. I read from the Amplified Version. Now, the doings or the practices, that's an interesting word, isn't it? The doings or the practices of the flesh are clear. They're obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger or ill temper, selfishness, divisions, party spirit, talking about factions, sects with particular or peculiar opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing. That's a long list, isn't it? And the like. So the list is not exhaustive. I warn you beforehand, the Apostle Paul says, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a very sober warning there, isn't it? So what is Galatians about? Galatians is probably the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to new converts as he was discipling um, all of those people that had come to the Lord and as he was teaching and going around and traveling and writing letters and encouraging and discipling, sometimes at a distance. But probably this was the first letter he wrote to the converts in a place called Galatia. Um, and in this case, the, the letter was written because Paul needed to resolve a question concerning the Mosaic law and the gospel message. Doesn't that already remind you about the laws of the spirit and the laws of perhaps religion? And the two questions were, is faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour the only requirement for a person to receive salvation? Is that what it takes? Is that all that we need? Or does it also take obedience to certain Old Testament Jewish practices? So Galatians, the book of Galatians is based on looking at the Mosaic laws, looking at the gospel message, and Paul is talking to people who are converted. So his new converts, though, they're being confused by some trying to impose on them the restrictions of the Mosaic law. 
They've been born again. They've been set free. But there are some who are trying to tell them how to live by the Mosaic laws. Do this and don't do that. Be circumcised, etc. And so this is the argument that Paul is really trying to resolve in the book of Galatians. And chapter 5 emphasizes Paul's encouragement by some um, encouragement that the true gospel involves a freedom from Jewish legal traditions. And that's what we ought to experience today when some of us have been born again and we've come out of another religion, another type of belief system. We need to be set free from how we think, from how we've behaved, from what we've believed often. Paul is trying to break those religious um, traditions and show that there is freedom only in um, the power of the Holy Spirit and in the gospel message. So we will look at some of the practices of the flesh briefly from that long list. We'll look at the effects of walking in or continually practicing those works of the flesh. And we'll also look at the choice we have at the end of the day. The works or practices of the flesh are clear or obvious, the Amplified Version says. Now, the Phillips Bible translation calls it the lower nature. The activities of the lower nature are obvious. It means our human nature with its corrupt desires, its resistance to God and its insistence on going its own way. Well, I thought, wow, that's quite a powerful term, the lower nature. In life, are we looking to go lower, think lower, or are we we encouraged throughout our lives to think higher, to rise, to climb? So my question would be, why would you or why would we want to live or operate in a lower nature than we could? So let me briefly go through that that list of sins, which, as I said, is not exhaustive, um, that represent this lower nature with which we so easily fall back into. So immorality. First of all, the first three that are listed, they relate to our body drives. They relate to things that we are driven by, wants, desires, lusts, those three. So there are immorality, which speaks about sexual immorality, about fornication, that sex outside of the marriage union. It talks of impurity, uncleanness, filth. It talks of indecency. That again refers to sensuality, to lewdness, to vice, to debauchery. And it has a sexual content. So those first three, immorality, impurity, indecency, what drives us? in our bodies, to cause us to want to live and practice the things of the flesh. The next two speak of false religion. So there is idolatry, and that's the worship of anything that is not our God and Father. That's idolatry. Whether and I have to say it because it's something that I, I try to help and encourage women in, whether it's that fixation on I need to be married, yes, it's going to be great to be married, but does that drive me? 
does that become an idol? Whether it's I'm going to climb to the top of my organisation, no matter what. Whether it's a love of um, a type of food that you can't do without. What do you worship? What becomes higher to you? What takes the place of God in our lives? And so um, what things do we believe, as I alluded to before, where you've come from a different religion or a different way of thinking, or perhaps a family lineage where there are traditions that are so opposite to God? Idolatry. So you're worshipping something that has nothing to do with the way that the Lord would instruct us to live. The second false religion there is sorcery. That speaks of witchcraft. Some people don't think it's real, but it's real. Um, people who get involved in seances, in divination, in mediums where they're trying to speak to the dead. Astrology, not astronomy. There's a difference. I might as well tell you my story about astrology right here. So talk about you practicing something, you studying something. Before I was born again, I was very interested in the star signs. I studied each of them and I could understand what lay behind them, what were their characteristics were supposed to be, what um, traits they had, which um, birth sign they um, gelled with and, and got on with and which they didn't. And then I became born again. But, but during the time that I was studying, I could meet somebody for the first time and tell them their birth sign. So what I didn't know is that I was going deeper and deeper into sorcery. I had a power, a, a, a gifting, if you like, inside, an occultic gifting. So I could tell you your birth sign the first time I met you. So I got born again. And somebody pointed out to me, or when I was studying, I realized that astrology was wrong because I still do it after I got born again. The second I repented... I lost every power, every demonic power I had where I could tell somebody their birth sign. Because a greater power, a higher power was now at work in me. These things are real. Yeah, man, they're real. So there are sins that drive the body and there are sins of false religion where we, we worship false things which are wrong. Then the next section, and this is really powerful, sins that scar relationships, enmity. So there's hostility, ill will toward another, hatred towards somebody. There is strife, that ability to, to come into a situation and always cause a problem. Fighting, selfishness, rivalry and competition. Jealousy. I want what they have. They shouldn't have it. It should be me. Why wasn't I chosen? Why was I not the one? Why was it given to them? These are works of the lower na nature. There's anger, which is ill temper, rage, fury. You see, sometimes you hear the word anger and you think, well, yeah, somebody's angry. But look at the things that lie behind it. Rage. Fury, rage causes murder, doesn't it? It causes a man to take another man's life. Intense feelings. When you're angry, you are intense with rage, intense with fury. You cause damage. These are sins that scar relationships. Then divisions, anything to divide, anything to make each other feel unequal, anything to come in the midst of where there's peace and cause division. And this one called party spirit. 
So factions, sects, S-E-C-T-S, sects, with peculiar opinions, heresies, false teachings. So there's the type of um, lower nature that wants to bring in the false thing against the truth. Very powerful, those three different divisions of the works of the flesh of the lower nature. The last um, one, which, um, where verse 21 begins, um, speaks of envy, um, where that involves spite. You're, you're not just jealous, but you're envious of something and you're, you're spiteful with it. You almost want to do something to retaliate. There's drunkenness. What's wrong with being drunk? You're out of control of yourself. That means you're under the control of something else. Carousing, orgy, revelry, type of partying, type of thing that you might see at Mardi Gras and all sorts of festivals and carnivals. So that's just a little outline on what we're talking about when we talk about the lower nature. But remember that it doesn't end there. The list is not exhaustive. And I I ask the question right now, can you think of things that you may whether consciously or unconsciously, practice that may be of the lower nature, the flesh? Is there something that plagues your life that you haven't been able to get rid of, a a type of way that you think or the way that you feel toward a person that you just can't let go of that feeling? Let's think about what we're going to do about it, what we want to do. So we'll look at the effects. How does it affect us when we walk in our lower nature, when we walk in the things of the flesh? So do you ever wonder how come it seems so easy for us to live in our lower nature? If I get up in the morning and I'm hungry, I run and I get my breakfast. Um, But equally, if somebody says something that's a little bit derogatory, my first, I suppose, instinct would be to feel offended and be offended. But why would it be easy for me to quickly be offended? Maybe that's not the actual issue, but it's the ongoingness of it, which is why I really wanted to talk about and love the version, the way it says the practice, the practices. Perhaps some of you struggle to distinguish when you're walking in the lower nature or in the things of the spirit. In other words, it's so normal to you that you don't even realise you're angry all the time or you don't even realise you're depressed all the time or you don't even realise you're striving to be better than another person all the time because it's so natural to you. Well... In my studies, I I saw that the lower or the sinful nature, it does remain within us as Christians, even after we choose to accept and to follow Christ. So yes, all of my study on astrology, even though I got born again, was still within me. I had to do something about getting rid of walking in those occultish practices. And this lower nature continues to be our deadly enemy that battles against our spirit. That's why it's the spirit versus the flesh or the flesh versus the spirit in our series. Our series is looking at the battle between the spirit and the flesh. Now in Romans chapter 8, 
verses 6 to 8. Let me read that uh, from the ESV. For to, set, um, the, for, for to set the mind on the flesh, on the lower nature, is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and is peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh or the lower nature, the mind that's set on the lower nature, nature is hostile to God. It's opposite to God. No matter what, come not wait, what may, it's opposite. I don't know if last week you were listening to Andrew and he said that um, when it came to this battle with the spirit and the flesh, not all walking in the flesh is sin. But there's still a lower nature in that. Where do we choose to live there because we can? Or do we choose something higher, something better? For, as it said in verse 7, Romans 8, now we're in verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. It cannot. Those who are in the flesh just cannot please God. And verse 13 of Romans chapter 8 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit of God, so this is first of all giving us a strong indication, we need the Holy Spirit's help to obey God. We need the Holy Spirit's help to live according to God's laws rather than towards the laws of our lower nature? Do we really understand the battle that we are in? Do we understand that it's continuous? It's not going to go away. We're in a battle. The flesh versus the spirit. The spirit versus the flesh. It's ongoing, never ends. It's always there with us once we become born again. And this battle within believers involves the whole person. It involves our minds That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. That's why the Bible says, have the mind of Christ. Whoop! It involves the mind, it involves the body. Remember, we talked about those um, lower nature thoughts that, 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 that drive our bodies and that cause us to want to sin in our body. But it involves the spirit as well. So the battle involves mind, body, and spirit. The struggle is which will we give into? Which will we give into? The flesh, the lower nature, or the spirit? Will our lower nature have control as we decide to yield to it? Or will we surrender continually to the authority of Christ? And allow the Holy Spirit to have full control. So we're family in here today, aren't we? And it's okay for me to be open with family and speak a little bit openly, isn't it? I'm going to give you a personal example of a battle in the flesh. It happened just this very week. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It involves... This week, sometimes we have a great week and we really rejoice as the weekend comes and we thank God for what he's done. We thank him for the way he's carried us, kept us, delighted us. Sometimes we don't have a good week and I must say this past week had not been particularly good for me. 
I'm just being real, it wasn't a great week. I found myself in a struggle of the lower nature due to feeling let down by some brothers in the Lord. <gasps> Note I said feeling let down. They were not aware that I felt let down by them or their actions. They didn't know. But I began to struggle. I concentrated on my so-called disappointments that the lower nature began to gather forces and creep up on me. <gasps> Who am I? They don't care about me. It didn't matter that I've been hurt or disappointed. I'm nothing. The thoughts began to come. The lower nature began to gather forces to pull me down, to let me begin to practice thinking and feeling that way. Now, I have to acknowledge the genuineness of feelings, of situations that we face. I'm not saying they're not real. I'm not saying they're not important. They happen to us. But who will we allow to be in control? Paul learns to put his flesh under. And let me just read um, the scripture that that refers to. 1 Corinthians 9, 23 to 27. I'm just going to read um, verse 27. Rather, Paul says, I'm reading from the CEB, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Rather, I'm landing punches on my own body and subduing it like a slave. I do this to be sure that I myself won't be disqualified after preaching to others. Paul was speaking in 1 Corinthians saying that we're running a race. And in that race, if we're going to win, we have to be disciplined like an athlete is. We have to practice like athletes practice. And Paul was saying that if we don't practice in a way that we're looking to win, then we'll be overpowered by other things. And he decided that his body or his flesh would never overpower him, but he would subdue it. So in acknowledging that we have feelings, that we have upsets, that we have situations, it's really important that we do what Paul does, which is we learn to make them not control us, but to put them under control. So here I am, feeling low, thinking about the situation. A battle had ensued. That battle never stops, but I was very aware of it. Now, I am blessed to have some people in my life I count as mentors. I have six people that I count as mentors in my life. It's really important that you find brothers and sisters that you can confide in and whom you trust to help you, to support you through difficult situations. I recommend it. So here is how I was delivered out of this battle this week. One of my mentors called me to see how I was doing and I was chatting away. I had no intention of sharing what I was going through, how I felt, or the battle that had ensued and the forces that were gathering against me. But the person said to me, I sensed this morning that you were feeling a bit low. So I talked. The battle went the way that it should. My lower nature was laid down. Christ's nature had the victory. Why? Because in the first place, the Holy Spirit was at work and the Holy Spirit prompted my mentor to say that they felt I wasn't feeling all right. 
Now, from the imperfect to the perfect, because practice makes imperfect is my title. Practice of what? Practice of walking in the lower nature makes for an imperfect life if we keep practicing, if we keep doing it. So if we're going to move from practicing to make imperfect, if we're going to move from living in our lower nature, as if that's the norm in our lives, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to have control and we have to heed the warnings of the Apostle Paul. So in verse 21 of um, Galatians 5, we read as it began, envy, drunkenness, carousing and the like. Then Paul says, I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul had warned the Galatians, the believers, the new believers that were being pressured to do works of religion. He had warned them from the beginning. And this wasn't the first time. And so it's quite clear that this indeed was a warning to help them. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. So he's writing to them and saying, I'm taken aback that already you're deserting what you've been taught. Already. Which is really not another gospel. There are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so he goes on to tell them, are you going to strive to please men or are you going to strive to please God? But it gets even harder. So he's warning. He says, I warned you before in verse 21 of Galatians 5. And if you look at Galatians chapter 3, wow, he doesn't hold anything back. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's saying to them, who has already bewitched you? Who's changed your mind? Who has caused you to go back into that lower nature and begin to think like you used to think before you were born again? He talks uh, in verse 3, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? So he's got some major warnings here that he's using. And that's why this verse 21 is so important because he's saying, I've already warned you before and now I'm warning you again. He couldn't mince his words. He, he was saying, you need to take responsibility for what you've been taught, for what you have known, for what you have not just tasted, but embraced, believed, received. You need to take responsibility for it. Um, so we must ourselves take responsibility for our lower nature. And as in my example, we have to recognise our fleshliness and do what Paul did. When the Holy Spirit opened the opportunity for me to speak and to talk to my mentor, to sort out how I was thinking and how I was feeling, I had a choice. I could speak or I could continue to practice my lower nature and wallow until I was pulled down further and further and further. When, we, when will we start walking in that which is invisible and let it become natural instead of walking in what we see, how we feel, and thinking that that is the natural thing? 
Therefore, we understand that when Paul is saying, not only those that habitually do these sins shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but those that never stop doing the sins. Look, we do fail. We do wrong. But we have an opportunity every day of our lives in the battle to say, Father, forgive me, help me. Help me make the better choice in the next situation. We don't need to be one who never stops doing those sins because surely if Paul is speaking in Galatians, he's talking to those who are already converted. We have to choose who we're going to serve. We have to make a decision. So I would, as I come to my conclusion, I would ask us to heed Paul's warning that he gives to the Galatians. We must persistently, consistently, and continuously make the choice to obey the Holy Spirit. I could have ignored that opportunity, as I said, to talk and to resolve my issues. That way I would have disobeyed the Holy Spirit. This battle, this conflict between the spirit and the flesh, it never ends as long as we are on earth. We need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to get through. We have to make a choice. We can either choose to wallow and live in that lower nature, or we can be like Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. We can run a race. We can practice a different discipline. (laughs) A different discipline to the discipline of the world, where we're fixated on things that are not of God, where we're fixated, you know, even on a false prophetic word. We can become fixated on something that somebody says. They don't do it out of a wrong heart or a bad heart. They do it because they believe the Holy Spirit is speaking. But at times, it's our emotions that are ministering, that are prophesying, because we want the best for the next person that we care about. We must learn to distinguish between that which is spirit, that which is soul, that which is flesh. That's why the Bible says, test The spirits test what comes toward you. People's lives have been ruined because you've been fixated on a prophetic word or something you thought was from God and it wasn't from the Lord. And that's, it became an idol and there you stayed and never moved again. When will we allow ourselves to be set free? When will we be set free from the lower nature and make the choice to live according to the spirit of God and what he says? I remember when I was um, at a concert where I got born again. One of the songs that was being sung, it was in 1986 at the Shaw Theatre in London. And the words of the song, which is in the scriptures, was, Choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether God or man, the choice is yours. I've had to be making that choice ever since that day. I'd like to read the same scripture, Galatians 5, 19 to 21, as I close. From the message translation, I like looking at different translations, how they express what is said. But I love what it says. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. There's a clue about the lower nature. It's selfish. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, believing lies, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Let me take this, this will make me happy for a second. 
trinket gods, false things that we believe in, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. It consumes you. You want, you want, and then when you get it, you're never satisfied. You want again and again and again. A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. I am the best. I'm better than them. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on, the message says. This isn't the first time I've warned you. You know, if you use your freedom this way, you will inherit God's kingdom. Let us today practice that which is perfect. Let us, like an athlete who is disciplining himself, herself, and practicing to become the best, let us practice the things of the Spirit. Let us practice the things of God. We're going to hear a little bit more about the fruit of the Spirit next week. Let us choose today to practice those things. May I encourage you in the name of Jesus. As I close, I'd like to pray particularly for a person or some persons out there. You have perpetually lived in the flesh, responding to the flesh due to unreleased hurt. I say today, give up the power you have given to unforgiveness. Give up that power you have given unforgiveness. Choose today to forgive and release the past. Choose today. Choose to forgive. The Holy Spirit will help you to forgive. When you do that, you will see how you become free and begin to live a life of freedom in Christ.